Hello and welcome. Is your business your mission and your mission your business? If yes, you found your tribe. Whether you feel like it or not, you are avant-garde, going your own way, making your own path, doing it like no one has done before. And the answers to the challenges you're facing aren't in a book. My friend, you are not alone. This is the Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Trisha Bailey, a mission-minded serial entrepreneur and traveler. My purpose on this earth is to use my authenticity and passion to equip and empower social entrepreneurs to live in their highest calling, feeling freedom, fulfillment, and security, and inspiring others to do the same. Join me for stories, tips, and tricks for taking avant-garde inspired action in your business so that you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. I believe it doesn't have to be hard to be right. Welcome to episode 26 of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I am so glad you're here today with me, my friend. In the last episode, we kicked off the year with part one of a two-part specialist series. Two of the biggest mysteries to most business owners are financials and marketing. So I thought, let's bring in two experts, each of which specializes in one of these areas to let them clear up some of the mystery for you and me. What I did not anticipate was the immense value both of the experts bring to the conversations besides the topic that they specialize in. So much insight to share about life and business, how they got to where they are and the challenges they continue to overcome, just like you and me. While I want to keep the podcast episodes on the shorter end because I know that you don't have a lot of time, you're probably listening on a bus or a train or on a walk or multitasking with it in the background while you're doing something else. I didn't want this priceless wisdom from these specialists to go unshared. So we're doing something new. We are breaking each of these interviews with specialists up into two episodes each. Episode 26 is part two of my conversation with Jacob Froats, the founder of Ten City Impact and an expert on marketing. If you've not listened to episode 25, be sure to catch that so you can hear a little of the background on Jacob. Short version, Jacob is my human filter when it comes to marketing. There's gobs of information of marketing about marketing out there. The question is really what's real, what applies, and what do you need to know as a social entrepreneur? I know that if I listen to Jacob and his team, I don't have to bother with searching here and there, listening to this and that and wondering if it's still true or if it was just a short-term trend. And because I trust him so much, I'm introducing you to him in the hopes that you first find some peace about what you're doing with your marketing strategy, or second, how to start if you don't have one. And third, to realize the commonalities we share as leaders, regardless of the nature of our business or social enterprise. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy part two of our conversation with Jacob Froats, business owner and marketing specialist. A lot of social entrepreneurs that listen are in like their 20s and 30s. Some have gone to college, some have not. And I think there's so much out there as far as books and resources and kind of comes down to the human filter. People feel like, what do I need to know? And they just 
what do I not need to know? So it sounds like YouTube is huge, but if someone were to say, like, what is one book or resource about marketing that would be useful for me to read? Was there anything that you would recommend? Yeah, YouTube's super helpful, but you can get lost listening to a lot of people that don't know what they're talking about too. So Mm -hmm. you got to be careful there. Probably the most helpful for the vast majority of people, there's a book called $100 Million Offers. Okay. The guy built his business in the gym franchises and now has a number of businesses. But it's not all about marketing. There's a million different areas where hey, if you need specific SEO services, you, there's other books I could recommend. But mm. I think most startup, social entrepreneur types, people trying to figure out and validate, they test out one. Like, here's my product. Here's my service. Here's what it costs. Oh, no one's buying it. What do I do? I need to spend money on Facebook. And that book just really digs deep. And hey, there's a million different ways that you could structure what your offer is. And you mm-hmm. want to do it in a way where people almost feel stupid saying no to this. Hey, why would I not mm-hmm. buy this at that price? Mm-hmm. And with everything that they're doing for me, like, it'd be dumb not to give them my money, right? Rather than, oh, I kind of feel bad for this person, or I'm just going to look the other way. I don't want them to see me. And so I think that's probably the most helpful to the mm-hmm. vast majority of people that are trying to figure out, hey, how do I get traction? Where do I start? There's a lot of just really practical. It's not theory at all. It's just, hey, switch this up. Think about this. Add this into to what your offer is for your customers and see how they respond and keep testing until you figure out one that's, oh, yeah, everyone is is buying this. And we, we finally mm-hmm. figured it out. Now I could focus on all these other areas and do what you love doing. It, it unlocks a lot for you. Well, I'm not going to read it because I have you. But for other people, <laughs> we will link to that in the show notes. So you said it's called the $100 million offer. Yes, I think it's yes. Alex Hormozy is the, okay. the author. We will find that and we will link to it. So everybody, there is your one marketing book to read. So I'd like to shift a little bit from kind of marketing in general to kind of talking about business and social enterprise. So I think that a lot of social entrepreneurs feel like when it comes to marketing, a lot of the stuff that's out there probably doesn't apply to them because... There is such this special focus on people and profit. And a lot of social entrepreneurs work with vulnerable people. So they want to be careful not to exploit them. They want to be able to share their story in a way that is tasteful, but to not put them at risk, put their safety at risk, or to basically glorify their story. You know, they're really trying to kind of put this wall up between like what their past was and what their future is and let them move forward. So when someone is working with with sensitive people and they part, the reason why they're in social enterprise is because people are just as much, if not more important than profit. Should their marketing look any different than what a traditional for-profit business does? I'm sure this is highly dependent on your specific business and your specific people. Mm-hmm. In traditional business is a, a pretty wide term. I would tend to be of the belief that you need one, and I'm sure all your listeners would agree, you need to be absolutely like excellent in what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's serving people, that's making mm-hmm. a profit, that's serving your team, that's serving your customers. Um, you want to be excellent in what you do. There are businesses that market a give back piece that I think that's a legitimate thing in the, in the market where, Hey, I could buy 
the traditional Tom shoes. And I know mm. there's a lot of opinions on the company to begin with, mm. but hey, I could buy normal shoes. Or I could buy those and I feel a little bit better buying this one. Right. Mm. And so that's, I think, a legitimate way to, to differentiate yourself as a business. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of social enterprises go off the deep end and they forget about being excellent and what their mm-hmm. actual like making shoes is. Um, and mm-hmm. it's all about the story of helping the person. And so then your marketing becomes dependent on that and people are buying it to help the person. And then you go, am I exploiting that person? Are mm-hmm. the shoes good enough to stand on their own? And you want to be excellent in what you do, right? And you want to serve people at the highest level that they can be. You don't want to leave people worse off than if they bought some of your competitor stuff, right? Or else you should be recommending their competitor. It'd be unethical to to be selling your stuff. If someone else can serve your your customers better than you can, you should make introductions for your customer. I'm sure they could pay you a little commission to do that for them. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah I'd, I'd be careful to go off that deep end. And I'm sure that's a, a fine and difficult line to to walk. But I think probably the, the biggest encouragement is hey, take a look at take a look at your core offer, that product that you're selling or service, mm-hmm. and make sure that's absolutely excellent and can stand alone if possible. And the the other piece is a a nice bonus effect to that. But people should be blown away by by everything that you're doing. Yeah. So focus on being excellent. If you focus on being excellent at what you're doing, then I don't want to say the rest takes care of itself, but that's pretty foundational too. Yeah. Uh, a sticky word, undeniable. If mm-hmm. you're undeniable, that a lot's going to take care of itself. It doesn't mean it all yeah. will. I think there's a fallacy where like, man, I don't need to market because mm-hmm. if the product's good enough, it'll market itself. Mm-hmm. And that's not not totally true. There's a lot of a lot of businesses that have died that excellent products, but they just didn't figure out how to get the word out. Mm-hmm. It's probably a good bit of both of when you want to be undeniable and excellent and then mm-hmm. be smart about how you're you're getting the word out and, and getting people to talk about you and grow your customer base. Well, I know that you care a tremendous amount about your people. I think a lot of business owners care about their people, but I know for sure you care about your people and I know that they love you and you've grown a lot. And I think that it would be helpful if you would mind sharing a little bit about as you're balancing people and the needs of them and your team as they've grown, you're 14 and now you're bringing on another intern, but then you've also got the profit side of it. Are there any like markers or checks and balances you have for yourself that you found that if you've ever realized it over the past few years, you've either leaned more, a little bit, maybe a little far towards profit or a little far towards the people side? Yeah, I don't know if maybe leaning is a good terminology for it. I started this business and I'm of the mindset, I think a lot of people are, that you you 100% need both. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a good place for, a really good place for nonprofits that are just focused on people and use the donations from a, a for-profit business to fund that. But that's, that'd be different than I think what we're talking about with, with social enterprises that are, mm-hmm. are doing both. So if you are that, you can't go off the rails either way. If we're all focused on money, I forgot about the people, I might as well close up shop and, and do something else. And if I'm all focused on people and I don't have the money, I'm going to have to close up shop because I can't employ people anymore my, myself. I'm going to have to move back home. And so I 100% got to be focused on both. There's metrics that I track. I track on a weekly basis and then look bigger picture monthly, quarterly to make sure I'm not missing out on either of those. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to go weeks without, like I track conversations, meaningful conversations that I'm having with my staff. If I see my, like, I, I'm not having these conversations, then 
that showing I'm, I'm going off the rails and that doesn't mean I'm necessarily going just towards profit, but I'm losing focus somewhere and I'm not keeping the things that I said important as important as they, sh- they should be the same on the profit side. I think every business should be tracking where they're financially at. And so yeah, if we're not making a profit, I'm going to cut my salary to zero and then I'm going to be counting down the days until I have to cut other people. So that would be a, we have to shut up both people and profit mm-hmm. if that's the case. And so definitely want to keep an eye on both of those. Ultimately, the I don't know if you're saying this or not. I don't think you are. But like leaning far into profit, I would love to make as much money as I possibly could make. So I think mm-hmm. I can have a, a better, bigger impact on on people that way. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think people probably go a little wrong when oh, we should only make 10%, but 20% would be too greedy and 30% would just be sinful. It's like, no, you should make 200% profit if if you can, because you're going to have a, a bigger impact doing that. Obviously, if you want to steward it and utilize it the same way that you would with 10%, or if you just had a little bit of money or a lot of money. But making more profit shows that you're serving a real need. And I think we're under assumption we're not stealing the profit and not exploiting people. Hey, but the, the more people I can serve, the more profit we're going to make. And the, the bigger problems I solve, the, the more my profit margin is going to be. And so I, I want to lean into that as much as possible and serve people at the best level. And with excellence that I can. And that should, in theory, as a general proverb, be more profit, which is going to allow me to to impact more people, which mm-hmm. gets real exciting. Yeah. Want to know how you can use your natural skills, personality, and talent to create the social enterprise of your dreams? Find out how to design a life-giving, sustainable, scalable impact business based on your social entrepreneur style with my What's Your Social Entrepreneur Style quiz. Whether you're dreaming of starting an impact business, already have a social enterprise and it's not as much fun as it used to be, or you have loads of experience and you want to make it better, I created a free 10-question quiz to help you gain more clarity about yourself and how to build or refine your social enterprise, not only to fit your style, but to find others who complement your style. Not only that, but with this newfound knowledge, you'll feel empowered to enhance your process instead of just focus on the results, which, let's face it, can take a while. To discover your social entrepreneur style, go to trishabaileyphd.com and take two minutes to answer 10 really fun questions about yourself and your business. You'll immediately find out whether you're a passionate go-getter, meticulous analyst, supportive mediator, or enthusiastic influencer. Then I'll send goodies and guidance to your inbox specifically curated for your unique style. You'll also get this super fun, this is me graphic that you can share on social that shows your style and your strengths. Talk about free, easy, and non-sleazy self-promo. Again, that's trishabaileyphd.com to find out your social entrepreneur style with my fun, fast, and free quiz. Two things I want to come back to. Start right here where we are. A lot of social entrepreneurs, especially what you talked about, especially if they're more on the nonprofit side, really struggle with the concept of making money. And it's exactly what you talked about with like, oh, too much profit is too you know, it seems almost sinful. And I really appreciate what you said that the more profit you make, the more people you can help. And I think that's really important for our listeners to hear. If we're doing a good job, if we're excellent, if we're taking care of our customers, if we're sharing the the story of our beneficiaries in a tasteful way, then more profit means more people. 
So that's huge. And then the second thing, you actually track meaningful conversations you have with your team. I do. That's amazing. Yeah. And we do this with our family too. It's like, am I spending time with my kids? Am I spending time with my wife? It's not, I have some real big goal of I want to have this many conversations or spend this many hours with my kids. It's just as a, a good metric for myself to be like, Hey, if I've spent three weeks and I haven't had a date night with my wife, I don't want that to turn into six weeks and turn into nine weeks. Right. And so just a good marker for myself to make sure, yeah, what I'm saying is important. I'm, I'm actually keeping. So we say we measure what matters. And I love the fact that you're measuring meaningful relationships. And I think that's a huge lesson that a lot of people can take because it is easy when you get, especially when you get in the pressure of business and all the things, it's really easy to kind of get in robot mode and fix it mode. And you're dealing with one emergency after the other. So being able to track that is important. And an easy one there, as far as I'm an introvert. And so I could spend Mm -hmm. all day working remote from home and not talking to anybody Mm -hmm. um, in person. I do weekly conversations with all my direct reports. And so that's a majority of my staff. We do quarterly reviews and things, but mm-hmm. instead of quarterly only and not just monthly, we do weekly. And so I touch base with all of them, individual conversations. And it, it's pretty quick and a lot of it's pretty standard. Yeah, here's a couple of things I need help with. Here's what's going well and things. Mm-hmm. But just as a general, just caring for them and relationship building, that's one of the main key things I do. I spent the the last week of the year doing a lot of thinking and planning and one of the questions for myself is if I could only work two hours a week on my business, what would I be doing? I only have mm-hmm. two hours a week. I got to care for all these clients and make sure everything's running. And I probably spend a majority of those in those quick conversations with, with each of my staff on a weekly basis. And that, that keeps the people and in, in relationships in the place that they need to be. And ultimately mm-hmm. that's where, where profit comes from. If you, and focus on people and culture and, and having the right people in the right place. That's going to be more meaningful to, to profit than if you focus on profit. It's it's all going to fall apart. You're not going to have any of it. So true. I think that's probably the case in any business, isn't it? It really does come down to the relationships with your team. Yeah. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about some of the other things in your life. You mentioned this free coffee and getting started with social media and Instagram. Is anything happening with that still? Um, I still get free coffee. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yay, that sounds um, so that's good. That's super fun. I love coffee now. But yeah, we sort of post, it's called Discover Your Coffee on Instagram. Okay. And the, the days of influencers are very different now. But yeah, small coffee companies send send us bags of coffee and we take pictures, post it on there for coffee lovers to see. And I get to drink the coffee or give it out to my staff, friends, and family. Nice. So it's fun. Nice. So we have quite a few social entrepreneurs or social enterprises who are coffee companies. So if we put the link to discover your coffee on in the show notes, could people possibly send you coffee for you to try and feature? Absolutely. Happy to to put you on the spot. Yeah. (laughs) You don't even have to send me it to you. I'm happy to feature you if you reach out and you know, Trisha, but I'd love to, to buy a bag from you if you're, if you know, Trisha too. So sounds great. We'll put that, we'll put that in the show notes. So you've got a lot happening. Obviously, you spent some quality time thinking, which is also so important for social entrepreneurs to have thinking time. It's not easy to do, but it's super important to make it happen. And you're ready for the new year. What are you excited about now, whether that's family or business or whatever? 
Yeah, it goes uh, along with that. Some good mentors of mine have spoken in for me and I, my wife, especially. Of <laughs> like, mm-hmm. hey, you've been in a particularly busy season for four years now. Um, that four months of starting the business is four years, and so that last week of the year was really good. And the last couple of weeks of just learning how to rest again, relax, think, read again. Love reading, and it's been four years. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've worked out more than a, a half dozen times in four years, and so. Just building in better routines for that. And I don't know that it was a necessity that I didn't do that for the last four years. It just, I dropped it down on my priority list, uh, maybe subconsciously, but that's been an exciting last, last couple months. I'm just, man, I've read more books in the last month than I have in the last four years and spent more time playing in the park with my kids and shooting basketball, that type of Mm -hmm. thing. So rest, Sabbath goes along with that, Mm -hmm. figuring out how to, Better practice rest on picking a day on the weekend and just resting and worshiping and enjoying life together as a family and with friends. So yeah, that's what I think I'm most excited Mm -hmm. about. Reading books, listening to podcasts and learn how to practice that better week by week. I'm really glad you shared that because I, I think for social entrepreneurs, you feel like business owners, everybody I think feels this way. You just go so hard, so long, and it feels like there's no end in sight. And you get used to operating at this super high capacity. You have a super high threshold for work and for taking information and assimilating information and pumping stuff back out. And I'm so glad you shared that about taking time for rest because there is this point where you can go so far and then you really just need to just need to take it down a couple notches and kind of re reset. Yeah, I've felt that. And Ultimately, like for me, coming back to scripture and going, all right, this is how God, the, the creator of human beings has designed us and designed the mm-hmm. earth and to, to work for six days and rest for one. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the advice and stuff that I read about productivity and things and people's uh, 40 hour work week, nine to five. And that's not at all how I just enjoy it. Like I love working. I love what I do. I love building a business and employing people, helping other people build their businesses. And so even with resting well, I probably still work 60 to 80 hours most weeks and that's exciting and, and fun for me. And there's different seasons for that. But yeah, I think with how God's designed us to go, all right, work for six days, rest for the seventh, which is something that's built into human nature is life giving for even for productivity as a way to optimize what you're, you're doing. And yeah, maybe modern uh, science is catching up to that and mm-hmm. figuring out some of that as well. So before I ask my last question, what's the best way for people to find you? Um, And also to learn about Tin City Impact. Website's great, tincityimpact.com. You can contact me directly on there. There's a form. My email is jacob at tincityimpact.com as well. So you can email me directly and happy to have a conversation. Sounds great. So we will put all those in the show notes, everybody. And then the last question, what is your ultimate dream for Ten City Impact? As you visualize and think the biggest that you can, what is it that you can see right now? We've got a few goals and sort of metrics that we look at and some are, I'm rolling out as sort of did that, that end of the year thinking and planning, building meaningful relationships for a million people on behalf of our clients is, is one of them. So there's some bigger things like that. I don't know that that fits as far as an ultimate dream is just hey, me serving diligently the, our team, our clients, their customers for however long God has me here, whether that's four more years, 40 more years, 
if we have 14 employees then, or if we got 400 employees, I'd be happy either way. There's no or ultimate big goal or dream to achieve one day. It's just, am I, am I serving diligently and abiding and what God has for me and be happy that way. If, uh, yeah. That's still the case. It takes a lot of the pressure off focus, keep the main thing, the main thing, build meaningful relationships and let the rest take care of itself. Yeah. Wow. I, I left this out in my story and it just might be interesting with you know, some of your, your listeners and social entrepreneurs to, I never heard a, a verbal calling from the Lord or anything, but I felt very clearly that I was supposed to be back in Southeast Asia and hiring people. And mm-hmm. for some reason that was just ingrained in my mind and I don't know when, but I felt like hey, this would be wrong not to be listening to this and move back to Southeast Asia and hire some people, build a business. Mm-hmm. None of that. I realized maybe two years into this. Oh, I forgot. He never said that it needed to be successful, that it was going to make money, that it was going to do <laughs> any of these things. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, he did just say hire people and go serve. <laughs> and so, yeah, coming back to that as far as ultimate yeah. dream, of, uh, if, I'm, if I'm just aligned with that, that's that's great for me. Yeah. We just talked about that. I talked about that in the last episode about how we can, the how, you know, we get this, we get a vision and then we get caught up in the how. And that's when it starts to kind of, kind of start to spiral for us. And it, it sounds like it's very similar where it's like, what did I hear? I, I heard this. And sometimes we can kind of take it and run with it and make it more than it is. But yeah, yep. focusing on what the word really was is, yeah, it's amazing. Well, Jacob, thank you so much for your insights here. I think with all that you've shared, we're probably going to turn this into two podcasts because Sorry, it was super helpful. So There's No, I'm so glad you did. It was really great. And I can see, yeah, it, it's going to be super helpful for so many people. So thank you so much for what you do for me and for all the avant-garde entrepreneurs out there. We truly would not be where we are without you. And, you know, our goal here is to impact millions as well. And so with all the work you're doing, you're already well on your way. So. Thank you so much for the kind words. Thank you for inviting me on here. This was a, a joy and a pleasure. Great. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I hope you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. If you enjoyed what you heard, share it with a friend. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it here on your podcast player. Questions, comments, or feedback? Connect with me directly at trishabaileyphd.com or on social at trishabaileyphd. Now, you go and get back to making the world a better place. I'll see you back here soon.